The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Jared, you're back. back. It's been such a long time. Such a long time. You got a little water break. Yes. And now we're ready for, for podcast number two. Part two. So I guess we finished the last podcast and we really spent a lot of time contrasting trust and inspire leaders yeah. with the command and control leaders. And I've been thinking about this question. Is a command and control leader the same thing as a detailed micromanager? Yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> Being detail-oriented isn't the same. Like, it's it's... I don't think it's bad to be detail. In fact, I think it's good to be detail oriented, right? It's not the same as being a micromanager. In fact, here, let's just quote Stephen because he's smarter than I am. Uh, He says it's fine to be detail oriented, but it's vital to always keep the focus on efficiency with things and on effectiveness with people. So sometimes trust and inspire leaders might micromanage processes and procedures, but they never micromanage people. So you can micromanage processes and procedures, but not people. Remember, people don't want to be managed. They want to be led, right? Tell, tell me a story of someone who was managed into battle, right? You don't, you don't, you always hear about stories of people being led into battle. Yeah, but that is a lot more difficult not to fall into. I mean, you say micromanaging things and not people. Yeah. I think most people would agree that we shouldn't micromanage people. Yeah. But I'd say it's a lot harder to live it as a leader we all know people. So you're saying it's harder to be a leader than it is to yes. teach about leadership. We all know people that know concept. a ton about leadership. Yeah. And they know the concepts are true, but who are still actually really bad leaders. I feel like you're looking at me. <laughs> well, you and me both. I honestly, I sit, I prepare some trainings and I'll be like, wow, I don't live anything that I'm about to lead a discussion on. Then somebody asked me, I said, these podcasts are all of my mistakes of leadership. <laughs> so then I guess, how do we overcome that? So- First, recognize it. Uh, look, he, he says this. He says the biggest impediment to becoming a true trust and inspire leader is to think that you already are one. And I, I have seen this a lot where, oh, yeah, I'm a trust and inspire. And then I see them barking commands and, and, and just, you know, trying to manage people. Look, study after study shows, this is really interesting. They, they show that there is a huge gap between how leaders see themselves and how their people see them. In past podcasts, I've shared, uh, I think the statistic was 83% of leaders think that they give an adequate amount of praise. 17% of employees think they receive an adequate amount of praise, right? there's Here's interesting questions the book quotes. It says, how inspirational is your boss versus how inspirational are you? The boss thinks that he or she is very inspirational. Their people, not so much. Or how, this is an interesting one, how trustworthy is your boss hmm. versus, um, it, it, versus you know, how trustworthy do you think you are? And there's a huge discrepancy. I think I'm trustworthy. And their people are saying no. Or even this one, how much does your boss care versus 
how much do you think you care? There's a huge gap in that one. And and when there's a gap in that one, it makes me wonder, you know, in, in a gap in between how much do I care versus how much do they think I care? I wonder who's, who's right. right. <laughs> the boss is sure that they're right. Well, you yeah. can't tell me how much I care, but what do your actions show, right? Maybe maybe start with this question. This this is a question I like to ask myself. How do I hope my team sees me? Like what do I what what do I want my team to think about me? And then does my style or behavior back that desire? Look, people have to want to follow you as a trust and inspire leader. As a manager, you can make them follow you. Well, and if your impact, I mean, even though you have the desire, what is the yeah. impact and what is happening to the actual employees? Are they, or do they feel trusted? And in the end, if they don't, if they can't answer yes, then you've got to look inward. Then and... they're probably not following you by choice and, and they need to follow you by choice. Without trust, you can probably make them follow you, but at best you're getting compliance, right? You have to check your intent up against your actions. What do I intend versus what are my actions actually? And you have to learn to act in a way that validates what you intend. Does that make sense? Well, and really starting, I mean, that concept of looking at intent is yeah. so important. I mean, what is my intent? What Am I trying to just get them to do it so that I'll get the desired result or am I getting it to do it for, for a, a greater reason or a bigger reason, whether it's to help them grow? But or... a lot of people are sitting here saying, no, I, I'm a trust and inspire leader. I want That's their intention, but then their actions won't back that. Yeah. And are we doing it because we care about them as people? Right. Or we ultimately want to just get something out of Leadership them? Leadership and, and self-deception. Yeah. It yeah. goes back to that. And it's honestly not an easy question to answer, nor one that we may want to admit all the time Yeah. <laughs> what, what our answer might be to that. Yeah. But uh, so I really, I guess we talked about it a little bit. You mentioned stewardship in the last podcast, and I really want to get into that concept of how leadership is a stewardship. Yeah. And this really goes back to your podcast on Lencioni's book, uh, The Motive, mm -hmm. and where you talked about what motivates a leader. And that's one of our most recent ones, too. Yeah. yeah. And when he said, when a person in leadership feels like they've earned being there, they tend to not do the hard things leaders leadership requires. I've earned this title. I've earned, earned this it. office. I, I'm fine. I've arrived. Yeah, but when they see it more of a as a stewardship, that implies that higher level of trust that people put in them. It has them often making more effort to deserve that trust. Yeah. And so, can you maybe just start talking about how leaders are actual stewards? Yeah, yeah, and I I love this term stewardship. I. You know, Stephen, Stephen says this, let's, let's quote him. He says, viewing our roles through the lens of stewardship calls on the best in us and helps us release the best in everyone, including ourselves. See, when we see ourselves as stewards, we realize we have the responsibility for the growth and the well-being of those we serve. It's, it's, it's putting service above self-interest, right? It's, it's not about being the boss. It's about having a job with trust, right? Like it's, I don't know, have you ever seen a license plate on a car that says boss man or so, it's somebody that's arrived and they want people to know. I got and, the title. And they have the I title. Am. Look how many people report to me. John Taft, he's the, the former CEO of RBC. He says, as a leader, it's not about you. As a leader, it's about the people to whom you are in some way responsible. 
And that's what stewardship comes down to. As a leader, I'm a steward over my people. I, they've put me in a position of responsibility. And we've lost that mentality. I, mean, I mentioned the license plate. You see people that love, you know, I, I've seen it. Uh, even their license plate, their vanity plate, CEO of, you know, whatever. They want to show the politics even worse. <laughs> like I've been in meetings with politicians and they... There's, there's a feeling like you need to bow and kiss the ring and you're lucky to be in the room with me. And I, I had this conversation just this last weekend. I was with uh, some of the annual meeting team out in Vegas walking through the annual meeting. And I, I said, we, we need politicians like George Washington again, steward leaders that, that they almost don't want to be there, right? They, 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 they're there because it's a calling and even a burden. And once they're done... They kind of want to be done with it. Mm -hmm. And when you have that mentality, I mean, when you're given stewardship over something, someone's telling you, hey, I believe in you and I trust you. And I mean, have you ever have you ever had somebody, maybe in other words, but maybe have you ever had somebody say, hey, Jared, I believe in you. Like that's a gift. Yeah. That's a that's a powerful thing. And whatever it is, uh, it, you know, children do this it makes to me you. Want to it, be better. It, makes, it makes yes. It gives me the opportunity to, to rise to that and makes me feel like I now have a duty to rise to that. That was my dad for me. My dad so I he believed I always thought he was delusional because he believed I was so much more than I thought I was, but then I wanted to rise to what what he thought I was. We we want to be better because of the way they treat us and how they speak to us and what they expect of us and and what they see in us. They they ask for our opinion and listen to what we have to say. So do you do that as a leader? Are you a steward to your people? Do, we, we do our best to place that trust in others and elevate them. But but look, when you're a steward, service comes before self-interest. And you have to ask yourself, am I? do I show up to work to elevate others? Or am I there to enhance the self, to, to prove myself, to, to receive more accolades and that's where I feel like magic happens. When your people know you care more about them than yourself, a total shift happens. And I feel like, as you say, you care more about them. I mean, really caring about that growth and their potential, seeing in them something greater than they even see in themselves. I, I feel like as leaders, we, I mean, we can still care about ourselves, but just be the leader that then spends more of their time caring about the people around them. That was, about that their was growth. always my dad's vision with this, right? The... Imagine an organization, Clay, this was long before I joined the organization. Imagine an organization, Clay, where people show up to work and they don't ever have to think about themselves because everyone around them is thinking about them. Nobody would ever have to be selfish and everybody would always be taken care of. Yeah. Hmm. He says, I don't know if we can get there, but I'd sure like to try. Yeah. I'll never forget that. So let's let's move into these next three steps. Stephen um, says comprise. I mean, he talks about what comprises this stewardship yeah. leadership. Yeah. And... Um, we probably won't finish all of these in this podcast, we'll but let's get at least to one of start. Them. Yeah. So the first one that he talks about, he says, we have to model the person we are asking them to be. So the Starts first one's inside. modeling. Yeah. Number two is we have to lead by trusting them. Okay. And then number three, he said, we need to help inspire them by connecting them to the why. Yeah. So maybe to finish today, let, let's start with that first concept, uh, where they really go into this modeling the behavior that they seek. Yeah. And then we can discuss the others in future podcasts, but let's start on that modeling, the modeling, the behavior. So side. modeling, this is who you are. 
if you want to change the culture of your cluster, of your facility, of your of your market, of your company, of your family, go whatever whatever or your church, don't wait on others. Just just go first. I, I Dalai Lama or, or Gandhi or someone who said, "Be the change that mm-hmm. you know you want to see in the world. Be be the first to demonstrate great listening, humility, healthy conflict, transparency, accountability." Uh, you know, we could we could go on and on. There's a on page, and again we we wait for others sometimes, but why? Yeah. Are, let let's start our ourselves. we're victims to our yeah. situation. If somebody if they would just do this, our cluster would be healthier. Be the change that you want to see. On page 99 of the book, he shares the story of a leader. And again, I I hope you get the book and uh and and read it. Um, he shares the story of a leader who issues a letter to his team, basically saying, "If you don't have confidence in me, you can fire me." You you need to buy into me as your leader. So I need to be the leader you need. And if I'm not, you can fire. I mean, do you have the confidence of the leader to be able to say that to your team? If you're a director of nursing, if you're an, if you're an executive director, it's complete accountability. And he was willing to ask them, do you want me as your leader? Because for you to be a leader, they have to want you to be their leader. It's that stewardship side. I mean, yes. I'm given this because people trust me versus I was given it because I, I deserve the title. I earned the title. And this is modeling. That's that's these leaders are credible because they model the character and their competence. See, see what we sometimes don't realize as leaders is that people around you learn simply. Have you ever seen a leader go in and a facility just changes because of that change in leader? Like honestly, before they've implemented any changes, maybe they listened really well. It goes if, back to that seed. Yes. I mean, again, are we planting the seeds? Are we and are we that leader? Are that you can creating plant that environment creating so the, environment. the seed can flourish? And that's what modeling is. Modeling is who you are. If you're breathing, you're modeling. <laughs> Either something bad or something good. So the question is, what are they they learning from you? So listen to some of the quotes uh, on this topic from leaders that that are in the book. And this first one I actually really like is Dr. Francis Frey. He says Leadership is about empowering other people as a result of your presence and making sure that impact continues into your absence, right? Leaders that leave the facility and are constantly being called, that means that leadership isn't extending into their absence, right? Nelson Mandela said this. He said, you can never have an impact on society if you have not changed yourself. That's sort of the, you know, be the change you want mm-hmm. to see in the world. Uh, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who you you uh, quoted earlier, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. <laughs> it's not the main thing. You want it's to influence others? Thing. Model it. Um, there, there's several others. There's g- the Girl Scout CEO, Frances Hesselbein. She said, leadership is a matter of how to be, not how to do. We need to stop, you know, it's not a how-to on a book on leadership. It's a how to be. Because that's what leadership is, and and uh, this la- I'll just share one more because I, I like this. Barry Relaford said, "Leadership is not a popularity contest; it's a credibility contest." And I I sometimes hear far you know far too many leaders saying things like, "Well, no, but I think they're good because their team really loves them. They're very popular with their team, right?" But but it's it's not a popularity contest; it's a credibility contest. The line in the book that I think summarizes that the best is it says, it's better to be trusted than to be liked. So I want to go a little deeper into modeling. I mean, that quote where you said, example is not the main thing in influencing. It's the only thing. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's clearly essential that 
to be a successful leader, we've got to learn this principle of modeling. Inside out. And it's the whole idea that you've, you know, you've got to walk the walk if you want people to believe your talk. And yeah. Covey says in the book, he says that there's these modeling attributes and he puts them into pairs. Yeah, they're interesting pairs, huh? Yeah, there's three different pairs he goes into. So the first one he says, humility and courage. Okay, so those two go together. And then authenticity and vulnerability go those together. Makes sense to me. And then empathy and performance. Yeah. And Honestly, these were interesting pairs to me, but he said that they specifically go together. And so I'm wondering if we can go through each one. And if you want to start with humility and courage and talk about why you feel like those two go together. So let's start with with defining humility, because sometimes people really misunderstand humility. They think it's, I don't know, subservience. They think it's weak. Yeah. They think it's, I'm, I'm not terrible, that good. I'm not that good. I mean, it's not it's, what yeah. humility is, right? It's not It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less, right? That's So Covey says humility is a foundational virtue. And Lencioni says this, uh, good to great. Um, Jim Collins says this, right? I mean, the, everybody's realizing the power of humility. So Covey says humility is a foundational virtue for all other virtues because it acknowledges what? That principles govern. Clay doesn't govern. These aren't Clay's ideas. These are principles that are, are true principles. Humility teaches us that we should understand and live by principles, elevating service above self-interest. There's no, there's no praise that should be given to Clay. The praise is for the principles. That's what humility is. A humble person is more, and this Stephen again, a humble person is more concerned about what is right than about being right about acting on good ideas than having the ideas, and about recognizing contribution than being recognized for making it. So it even mentioned a study in the book. It says leaders who demonstrate humility are 18 times more likely to inspire colleagues than leaders who don't. That makes sense. Look, I, we know it's one of the strongest attributes of a level five leader, right? Personal humility and professional will. Uh, that, that's in good to great. Patrick Lencioni says in The Ideal Team Player how of all the characteristics, humble, hungry, smart, he says humility is the one that you least want to be without. It's the most dangerous to not have. And near the end of the book, he talks about how, I mean, it's not easy, but we've got to learn to check our ego at the door. Yeah. We've got to learn to just embrace really being humble leaders and yeah. embracing that concept and making sure our ego and our pride isn't getting in the way. And so. Christopher says this in one of the podcasts, I can't remember which, he said, is a friend of my mom that actually gave this, he said, you'll know you're humble when you are never offended. Hmm. So if you still get offended, he, and that's where he says, look, none of us are really humble. No. We're trying to be humble. We're trying humble. to be humble yeah. and, and making sure that that is a focus of what yeah. we're doing. So, um, so how about courage? Okay. So Maya Angelou, I like Maya Angelou's quotes, right? She's the one that said that people will forget what you said or what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel, right? She says, without courage, we cannot practice any other virtue with consistency. We can't be kind, true, merciful, generous, or honest. Hmm. Because courage is a choice that we make in the face of fear, which is fears based on emotions. Courage is a choice. Uh, I highly enc encourage you on the book, Courage is Calling. I might do a podcast on it. I've got all the notes on the book. It's a good one. But but courage is about doing the right thing even when nobody else knows about it. Uh, the world needs more of that. Like some, a lot of people do the right things when people are watching. Yeah. Uh, but boy, there's a lot of people not. Yeah. Well, and, they're only doing it because someone's watching. Yeah. 
And I, I got to say quickly, my favorite kind of courage is is service-oriented courage. There, there's courage in standing up for the self, but when I see courage standing up for others, uh, I, I love service-oriented courage, doing the right thing for others. Yeah, so I guess why then are we pairing these courage and humility? What's, what's with the pairing? So let's look at people who have humility but not courage, right? So this is why we take it. If they have humility but not courage— they tend to care about relationships, but they often don't have the will to correct people when they're wrong or to give critical feedback, right? Some team leaders are often more concerned with being liked uh, than in doing what's right. Um, so does that make sense? If you have high humility but low courage, you're you're not going to have the impetus mm-hmm. to do and, – and, but, but if someone who has high courage but low humility, they look like the person that is frequently speaking up in meetings – but with very little contribute. They have the courage to do it, but not the humility to listen to others, right? Humility bolstered by courage is a powerful force. When you combine those two, people too often mistake humility with like lack of confidence, but those could not be more different. I, I feel like very humble people are also very confident people. Um, Braveheart, you ever seen it? Freedom! You know, you've seen that? Yeah. Is that a good Mel Gibson impersonation? Yes. He, in, there's a line in it where it says this, says your title gives you claim to the throne of our country, but men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Right. So that, that, I don't know. You remember that line from the movie? No. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Connors. I'm getting a yes Connor. from Connor. So that's good. <laughs> All right. So I want to make sure we're still on modeling here, this yeah. concept and how we go about doing so it. So we've got courage and humility courage as one humility. pair. So the next pair that we should model are authenticity and vulnerability. Yeah. And I'm assuming these words are probably going to get Brene Brown a little. Are you a Brene Brown disciple? I, yeah, I am. I, I thought I you am. were. So yeah. let's go. Okay. So start by defining, because I, I honestly had a hard time differentiating, just like I've had a hard time differentiating motivation and inspiration, um, authenticity and vulnerability, right? Authenticity means real. Right. It, it means that our reality matches our words. We are who we say we are. We're not we're not performing. It's to be rather than to seem. I, I don't know if you, you might be too young for this. Just kidding. You, you know who Amy Coney Barrett is. She, she's on the Supreme Court. I, I'm not I don't want to get political here. I don't if you liked her, or didn't like her. But if you watched her hearings, it was amazing because she had no notes at her hearings. One of the people questioning her said, can you show us what's on your notes? And she had like two words written and it was something about like, I can't remember, call the kids when mm-hmm. I get home or something like that. And, and she had this incredible memory in all of her answers. And it reminded me of the, the um, there were some leaders, and this, this is quoted in the book, that, that were impressed by Gandhi's speeches because he had no notes. And his assistant said this, said, you don't understand Gandhi. You see, what he thinks is what he feels. What he feels is what he says, and what he says is what he does. What Gandhi thinks, what he feels, and what he says, and what he does are all the same. He does not need notes because it's all consistent. She said, we need to keep notes to keep things straight when those things aren't aligned. That's authenticity. Gandhi's great statement of authenticity, he said, look, my life is my message. By the way, Gandhi never had a title. Is he a leader? Absolutely. But never had a title, but is known as to be one of the great leaders of, of, Indi- of India, right? No, no uh, authority, yeah. 
but absolute How leadership. How often do we wait for the title? Yeah. And oh, I can't do it yeah. until you give me that title. Yeah. Covey says this, says we're drawn to authenticity. We're inspired by people who are genuine, vulnerable, and growing, who are flawed and human, just like we are. I mean, you've heard me sometimes talk about wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi is the term that means authenticity over perfection. It's why we love artifacts in a museum. They're not perfect. They're chinked. They're, they're, they're chipped. They're all these different, but they're authentic. And so we love seeing the history and that authenticity. That's the term wabi-sabi. All right, so that's authenticity, okay? Stick that in your little drawer. And now, now vulnerability. Vulnerability, you take that authenticity and you open yourself up for others to see for themselves who you really are, right? It's the act of being open and transparent. We, we need to learn to break from the idea that leaders never need to show weakness, that there is strength and high. Never let them see you sweat. That's the opposite of vulnerability, right? I show you, I have armpit sweating issues sometimes, <laughs> right? That's Brene Brown trumpets that. I mean, I, I should say Patrick Lencioni too, at one point says great leaders should be, you know, in response to never let them see you sweat, he lifts his arm. Check this out. Great leaders are raising their <laughs> arm and saying, check this out. Look at this. Uh, but, but Brene Brown says that vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. One act of vulnerability he shares was a leader who, who received tough feedback. Imagine this. You get tough feedback from your team and you post it on your door. It says, hey, here's the feedback that I've received. This is what I need to work on. This is what I'm hearing. That's a, that's a very vulnerable position to put yourself in. This is where I'm failing as a leader. People who model authenticity and vulnerability have no hidden agendas. They, they tell people who they are and what matters to them. They're clear with their why. And this is going back to your question uh, in, the, in the first podcast of, of, you know, difference between motivation and, and inspiration. He says, Covey says, charisma may motivate, but it's authenticity and vulnerability that truly inspire. And, and. You know, that's probably why it's been said. I like this quote. It says, you, you cannot teach that, that which we are not any more than you can return from a place we haven't been. Oh, very wise, <laughs> Thank right? you, Sensei Clay. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's not my quote, but I sounded really erudite saying it. <laughs> All right. So this last pair uh, seems to be the most interesting match. We've got empathy yeah. and performance. So what does he say about Seems those like two? Seems like he's just throwing the last two together. Yeah. But no, they do. They <laughs> Start with empathy for it. Okay. So, so Covey points out that one of the greatest needs for humans is to be understood. Like, I need you to under... I've, I've been in the middle of a tough conversation and I stopped him and I said, both of you, tell me, do you feel understood right now? And both of them just looked at me and just shook their head. What oxygen is to the body, understanding is to the heart. It gives people emotional and psychological air. But the problem, you know, in today's society, as you know, is everyone is talking and nobody's listening. Watch, yeah. watch, a, watch a political talk show. Everybody, get on social media. Everybody's talking. Do you ever, you ever see somebody on social media go, that's a really good point. I think you've persuaded me to your mm -hmm. side of the, it just doesn't happen. So nobody feels truly understood. We don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. This is empathy. Empathy is largely about listening so intently that others feel deeply understood. 
Your first goal can't be to evaluate. It has to be to empathize. Freud was famous for this. People would say, I've never felt so understood like that because he just asked questions and dug in. I mean, I never hired Freud. He was never my psychologist, well, I but think, I've heard this. <laughs> I think sometimes we we feel like, especially in those situations, if we're not speaking, then we're not getting our our opinion across and then and then maybe we're agreeing with the other side it's so much easier well i've got to tell you why i disagree yeah but what does covey's father say seek first to understand before being understood yeah but we seek first to be understood understood yeah and he what was that is that habit number two i can't remember it's been a long time uh but see i think it was habit number two I think somebody so. goes, I'm being checked right now and somebody's going to text me, I'm sure. So, so Doris Goodwin wrote a, a, a book I recommend actually called Team of Rivals, except it's super long. You really have to want to finish it. It's the story of Abraham Lincoln, who his whole cabinet was a bunch of people who opposed him in, in his election. And he's like, yeah, I need your opinions. I mean, you're not going to get that nowadays, hmm. but Lincoln was a great one. Gotta love that guy. So, so Doris Goodwin wrote this book and, and she says, Empathy is the human desire in all of us to want to make life better for somebody else. It makes you feel larger. It makes you feel part of the whole human race. It's a much better source of ambition than just for self, right? That's why some of the best leaders uh, go on listening tours. I mean, there, there was a podcast, I think it's episode 17, where I talked to one of our DONs, Tony, who says when he goes into a building, he just listens for weeks before making any changes. He just listens but if you're just listening, so so now why pair that, right? Uh, empathy and performance. If you're just listening and just exhibiting empathy, but you're not performing, people can't trust you. You're nice. You're sweet. But results matter to our credibility and effectiveness as a leader. Leadership, I, I like this definition of leadership. Leadership is getting results in a way that inspires trust, right? So... I learned the story of Popeyes, the CEO of Popeyes. They apparently had to do a real turnaround operation. And and Cheryl uh, Bockelder, I think, hope that's how you say her name, uh, says this, leadership is not about your ambition. It's about bringing out the ambitions of your team. The leader must have both the courage to take people to a daring destination and the humility to selflessly serve others on the journey. So, so this is the way that we're modeling both empathy and performance in order to become a trust and inspire leader. Both are neat. You've got to be empathetic and we have to perform. We have to succeed. Otherwise, that trust and inspire won't happen. All right. So if I'm hearing right, I mean, to be a trust and inspire leader, we have to learn the model. Yeah. We've, we've got to start being the person Inside that they out. need us to be. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a good wrap for this first or the second podcast here. And in the next podcast, we'll get into the second two parts. This first one, we talked about modeling. The next two, we'll talk about how we lead by trusting yeah. and then how we inspire by connecting them to a why. Yeah, let's do that. Thanks, Jared. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.